0: All right. Well, we're continuing our series today in the book of Acts. We're calling it Supernatural because, well, we need help from heaven, something supernatural, something beyond ourselves to live out the words, works, and ways of Jesus, to follow in the footsteps of those early followers of Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We need help uh, from the Spirit of God, help from heaven, help from uh, something beyond ourselves. And, um, so we're journeying through that today. Um, let's turn to our text. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to grab it. We're going to be in Acts 4 today, so uh, read along with me. While they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about five thousand. The next day the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed this boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done, for this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. The word of the Lord. Let's uh, pray together. Father, I thank you for your word that's alive, that's active, that's speaking to us. We trust uh, that your spirit is present with us today and that you are opening our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. Do that. Do that within us today. Make us soft, um, tender ground uh, for the work of your Spirit to prod us and push us and change us and mold us and form us into the uh, people you've created us to be. Um, And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So we're coming off of uh, holiday weekend, July 4th. So what are some of your traditions, some of your memories um, of July 4th? You know, what, what does it mean for you? Uh, for me, as long as there's like corn on the cob and fire of some kind, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Um, actually, uh, over the years, I think I've become a bit of a 4th uh, of, of July Cremungeon. Um, You know, like, I've had enough uh, people almost blow up my house with fireworks, I feel like, but, um, and I like to go to bed early, so I don't know. I've been a bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to Fourth of July, but, and in some ways, it's kind of like a quintessential holiday for America, right? This is kind of like what it means to be American. Um, You know, freedom, expression, blowing things up. It's summer, let's eat, drink, be merry, and carry on, Uh, right? It's part of our American liturgy. Liturgy's a fancy church word that we use to sort of just describe the, the work that we do as the people of God together. You know, what are the, the rituals and habits and rhythms and, um, you know, uh, creeds and words and songs and, you know, things that we participate in together and, and that form us and define us um, and shape us into the people of God? Well, we all have a liturgy of some kind, whether we're Christians or just Americans or whatever, we are living by some rhythms, some habits, some creeds, some uh, ideals, some words of wisdom that are forming us and shaping us, right? Uh, Some of those are intentional. Some of those things are things that we've intentionally formed and shaped and become. Um, We've done work to carve out habits and rhythms for us, right, in an intentional way. Uh, I don't know about you, but like this whole COVID quarantine has actually um, been very revealing of some of my liturgy, some of my rhythms, right? Um, it's, it's also provided an opportunity to start some new habits and liturgies uh, and, and to, to end some old ones. Um, you know, I've developed new exercise habits uh, that I hadn't had before, new communication lines with Jacqueline um, in our marriage, And, you know, a a few weeks ago, I started something uh, called a weekly review um, or a weekly examine. It's been pretty cool. Like, I've traditionally not been very good with feelings and being in touch with feelings. It's something the Spirit has really helped me with over the last several years to just be willing to name and deal and think along the lines and just process some of the feelings that I have under the surface that I've kind of pushed aside. And, uh, but, and, and. And I've noticed that it actually kind of takes work to cultivate joy. Um, joy is not just something that we like do naturally very well. At least not me, right? And um, I think I think you know, in the emotional spectrum, it's actually easier for me to sit in sorrow and pain and wallow in you know disappointment and frustration than it is to uh, celebrate and to be joyful. Um, and So I started this weekly rhythm of sitting down on a Sunday or Monday and reflecting back on the last week, this review, and just jot some things down of what happened in the last week and then I begin to uh, reflect on them, process them, um, you know, celebrate them, you know, list some of the wins and some of the areas that need need improvement and some things that were confusing to me and work that still needs to be done that I didn't accomplish fully, right? And uh, I found that to be very... um, helpful, you know, and, and, and I've noticed themes in my week that maybe I wouldn't have noticed otherwise, you know, and I've seen how God has been at work, and, and, and I've been able to, to ponder some of the areas that I need to grow in and, and think about that, and um, anyway, it's, it's just, it's a liturgy, it's a rhythm that's, that's, that I'm intentionally trying to form that's helping to shape me, right, in um, gratitude and in deeper reflection and in greater productivity, Um, but we all have liturgies that have been, um, given to us. Sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it's just stuff that's been handed to us by our, our culture, by our families of origin, right? Um, and and we just adopt them. We don't even think twice. They just, they're they're like like second nature liturgy, right? And America has its liturgies. You know, our nation has its liturgies, um, at least for for many of us. There could be simple, like we have American Proverbs. Maybe you've heard some of this, right? Like, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, or an apple a day keeps the doctor away, or better safe than sorry, right? Um, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. uh, Or don't put all your eggs in one basket. Or if you snooze, you lose. uh, Or no pain, no gain. Or what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, or whatever, right? Every cloud has a silver lining. Um, don't cry over spilt milk. If you can't beat them, join 'em. join If you can't beat them, join them. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Nope. Every pot has a lid. And of course, my mother's favorite the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That one's for you, Mom. <laughs> All right, but uh, these are our, our American proverbs, right? Our American wisdom. Uh, Or it could be American rituals, you know, our holidays, our sports, our foods, our celebrations. Um, Or we have American songs. Anyone grow up singing, uh, this land is your land, or my country tis a V, or of course the national anthem, right? We have our American songs. Or our our American creeds, we have a creed. We know our Pledge of Allegiance, our history books, um, our education system the creeds that we recite over and over again. Uh, we've got our American banner, the flag, and I'm not military, so some of our military folks could maybe do this way more justice, but I was a Boy Scout, and we were taught ways to fold and honor and handle the flag uh, and in a way that, uh, that, that really you know, propped the flag up and honored it because it was a symbol of, of, of our ideals that we needed to esteem. We have our American icons, right? Our, our monuments, our statues, our Liberty Bell, and so on. And then we have our American sanctuaries. From the halls of the Supreme Courts to the Congress, the White House, to the boardrooms of our corporations and to the university classrooms and so on, right? These places where we sort of rehearse these liturgies. See, we have an American way. And many of us, we've just been handed this American way. Um, we've never really qu- questioned it. And, s- and some right now, frankly, honestly, are questioning this American way. Whether it's by the you know, statues that are being toppled, uh, or ideas that are being uprooted, um, or national anthems that have been boycotted, Right, These American liturgies and rituals and habits are being questioned. And, and you know, understandably so. And it's quite controversial, isn't it? Like, and to some of us, like, let's be honest, to some of us, it feels like this very life that we've come to appreciate and value, this America that we know is being pulled out from underneath us. And the 4th of July, I, in some way, for me anyway, causes us to reckon with all of this. Like, this is the apex of our American liturgy, this holiday. Celebration of our freedom. And here some have found themselves uh, feeling like this American way they have come to know is being threatened, while others are simply Asking the question, is everyone really free? So this is not very comfortable for us. But hang with me for a moment. Can you do that? Hang with me for a moment. Can can, can we question our American liturgies, uh, our American ideals for a moment? Is that okay? Uh, can, Can we join those maybe who have been oppressed and pushed aside and walked over on the margins and ask ourselves, what does America represent anyway? What rituals and ideals and creeds and songs and wisdoms and icons have we been handed? Have we just come to assume is, is a valuable? Have we even stopped to process it? Have you ever stopped to think about these things? Or do we just immediately become defensive at any question as if something is being ripped away, something so core to our identity. It's being taken from us. And so we protect and we defend. We don't join the processing. And so I'm gonna enter our text today, Acts 4, because I think something similar is happening here. Um, a few weeks back, Ed looked at acts three and there's this miracle that took place outside the temple where this you know or outside at the beautiful gate where this man, this lame man, this outsider has just been healed by Peter and John, and there's now this scene, a crowd growing right there's excitement, this man is jumping and leaping and praising God the the kingdom of God and has gone has gone public right Jesus just went viral uh, there's awe an astonishment and there's intriguement in the crowd. And, Peter sees this and he stands up um, uh, You know, and he sees some of those that are getting a little uneasy, some of those of, of influence and of power, and he, he speaks to them. He says, he, he invites them to reshape their lives by the story of redemption, the story of Jesus. He shares the story. He says, the one you murdered is the one who now offers you new life, the one who healed this man. He's alive, he's at work, don't miss it. He's blessing all the families of the earth through your offspring. This isn't about the exclusive Israel club anymore. Jesus has done what Israel couldn't do. We looked at that a few weeks back when we talked about the covenant love of the Father. So repent, Jesus wants to bless you and and bless the nations. He wants to free you and deliver you. You can be part of, your, of this kingdom still. I love that. Peter's calling them. But he's, he says, though, if you oppose this Jesus, what was good is now evil. These rituals, these liturgies of Israel, if, if, you, if you don't understand them through the lens of Jesus, well, they're, they're pointless now. They have no value to you any longer because they, they were all about Jesus uh, anyway. So you can continue to hold on to the ways of the past, but if you miss Jesus, you've missed the whole thing. He's the one the prophets were talking about. The history, the writings have been about Jesus. Don't miss it, repent, turn, open your eyes. You catch that? In in essence, Peter is, is saying history is important. Culture is important. Our, our, our national identity is important. But this is bigger than Israel. This is about all the families of the earth. All the people of the earth. This isn't just about your nation anymore. You see what Peter's saying? But the people were stuck, these Jewish leaders were stuck in their nationalist desires and liturgy. They missed Jesus, and Peter invites them to reframe their histories, to restory their lives around Jesus. Willie James Jennings writes, Jesus eagerly wants to take hold of the histories of people and bring them to a good end, which is really a new beginning. See, Jesus doesn't want to throw away your history, your national identities. However, he wants to reframe them. He wants to bring them to a good end to an apex in him. So Peter offers them that new beginning. Reflect on your history. Consider the ways of your ancestors, he tells them in in chapter three. They're important, but, but these cultural and nationalistic liturgies and ideals, they won't bring the new life of the kingdom that you just witnessed in this lame man. Here's the truth today. We must repent. We must repent from where our uh, histories and, and where we where we've trusted where we've trusted our histories where we've trusted our cultures where we've trusted our past allegiances over Jesus we must repent and submit our story to the Jesus story. This is the act, the, the backdrop of Acts four and so here's what happens next they they confront they're confronted by the power players the leaders the the haves the judges. Uh, those that are accomplished, right? The educated, the advantaged, the, they, they're confronted by them, right? And because these power figures, they're threatened. <clears throat> Here Jesus is demanding allegiance. Here Jesus is competing with their value systems, with competing with their liturgies, right? The, this man was healed by the name of Jesus. And that that threatened any other name that was clamoring for power. See, this man wasn't healed by your name, Israel. This man was healed by the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is subversive stuff, friends. Um, See, the problem is that most of us want power. Most of us are seduced by the powers of this age. We enjoy power. We like the power of the world. We like big platforms, large reach, lots of money, tons of influence, respect, fame. Uh, we want to be listened to and understood. We like to have our ha- you know, just to wave our hands and things happen. Uh, we like to have resources available at our disposal. Yet this man that they're talking about wasn't healed by any of that, wasn't by the power of any of that that man was healed as a matter of fact the man was healed by the hands of nobodies says uneducated untrained men this healing came through those without a platform without a reach without money without respect without influence now wonder why the people in power were so threatened they knew this power was through the name of Jesus but on top of that peter kind of rubs it in he speaks against the powerful he says, the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. See, you passed aside this Jesus. You considered him a nobody, a criminal. You murdered him. And now you who build, now you who have power, now you who shape things, right? It's, it's the powerful that build the world, right? Now you who make the world and who, 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 who cause kingdoms to rise. The kingdom of God comes not through power of your hands, but through the weak, through the nobody. That's subversive. You have to understand. See, power is always trying to exploit and express someone. It always divides, and there has to be a have and a have not, right? Someone has to serve the powerful. Jesus came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. It's an upside-down kingdom. See, if power doesn't have those divides, those oppressions, it can't really thrive. Dean Dean Pinter writes, no longer is the temple in Jerusalem sort of the symbol of that power of that nation, the seat of power and the place of restoration. Rather, Jesus is the focus of God's new temple. And that Jesus is using untrained and uneducated people filled with the Holy Spirit to bring about his healing and restoration. Pinter goes on to say, those who possess so-called real power and who ask intimidating questions, right? Those, those, those with real power, now uh, they are left dumbfounded and asking feeble questions among themselves. It's almost laughable. What are we going to do with these men? What, is, what has... What has what have these men been relegated to, right? See, but the disciples knew this was coming. They knew they couldn't live in the bliss of Acts 1 to 3. Jesus warned them there would be trouble, there was going to be resistance, and the resistance would come from the powers of this age. Um, N.T. Wright reminds us that the powers of this age, you know, it actually works itself out in different ways. The power comes from different places. He says, sometimes it's with actual official authorities, as in Acts 4, our text today. Sometimes it's with the spirit of this age, and sometimes the battle is eternal. But he says, whatever it is, the battle is real. There's a real battle, friends. And sometimes the power is with official authorities. And for some in this country right now, let me say this, listen, they they feel unsafe. They literally feel unsafe around official authorities. I've had to listen to voices I've not listened to before recently to really understand that, that I don't feel that way, but they really do. And it's not necessarily for their faith, but just for the color of their skin. Now, many Christians in the world many Christians in the world face very real persecution for their faith. Um, They're they're faced with a question, maybe daily, with, do I pledge my allegiance to Jesus or to the official powers of the day, right? Did you know that according to the International Society for Human Rights, 80% of all acts of religious discrimination happen against Christians? Uh, Did you know that according to Pew uh, Pew Forum, Christians face some form of persecution in 139 nations? That's almost three-quarters of the world. Um, Three-quarters of the world. And did you know statistically that 11 Christians are murdered, killed somewhere in the world every hour because of their faith? So 11 Christians, over the course of our time uh, together today, will have been killed for their faith. See, often the power is the authorities. We don't face that as much, um, at least I haven't, because of my faith. Uh, now, we're becoming aware of the fact that there's some in our culture today, like I said, that are facing that, so it's not something that's just on the other side of the world. Uh, but even if you don't face that kind of persecution, um, there is great pressure in our country to submit to the voices of power. You know, whether it be you know, progressive or conservative, this isn't really a political thing. Um, the, your political orientation doesn't matter here. What I'm talking about is the systems of evil that are very much at play um, through the power structures of our day. Uh, And the pressures to give in to those structures are enormous. So like Peter, we must confront them. We must confront the power structures of our day. We must proclaim and demonstrate the words and works and ways of Jesus and invite them to repent. We must be a prophetic voice in this time. But as N.T. Wright reminded us, though, that the powers isn't always official. It comes against against us in the spirit of this age and the spirit that is within. See, we are reminded that we wage a war not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities that are within us. Um, And I'm not saying you're demon-possessed, but the culture around us has discipled us, has formed us, and, and, and we must begin to do the work of processing these internal realities that have shaped us. We have to ask the hard questions. Edwards said, wrote, we should always understand ourselves as secular critics who unrelentingly call into question the gods of this age. Friends, I love America, um, but I love Jesus more. America will never bring the kind of wholeness and freedom the kingdom of Jesus. And Jesus will not share allegiance, or as Willie Jennings put it, holy desire with any nationalistic longing. Um, now, we can be great citizens. We can love our neighborhoods, right? We can be a blessing to our nation, but, but as we will see in the story of Acts, the early church walked that out. <clears throat> but it came with attention, with conflict, with persecution, with prison time, and with even death. but you know what? No matter how costly, Jesus is worth it. We get Jesus. You can take everything away from me, but Jesus is the prize. I still have everything. And like Peter and John, I won't stop talking about it, friends. He's taken my heart of flesh. It's worked in me. He's taken my heart of stone. He's worked in me a heart of flesh. set me free. He's restored me. He's bringing wholeness to every area of our life. He's, he's bringing justice to the oppressed and righteousness and he's, he's working through the uneducated and the untrained and the weak, the broken, the vulnerable, the outcast, the pushed aside. His kingdom is available. It's at work. He's uprooting our allegiances to darkness. He's setting us free He's helping us process our pain. Friends, Jesus is at work, and we're not going to be silent about it. Just like Peter and John, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. You know what else they said about Peter and John? It says they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. May even those who persecute me, who ridicule me, May even they recognize that I've been with Jesus. May something about my life and my words point to Jesus. Spending time with Jesus changes us. Being formed by Jesus changes us. Being discipled by Jesus and by the church, who's walking with Jesus, right, changes us. And just like we're discipled by our nation, by our families of origin, or you know, by, by our experiences in life, just as those things form us and shape us, right? Just as we are uh, uh, formed by the American liturgies, may we be formed by Jesus. Join me, friends. It's not easy. It's not easy. We might have to give up some of our American liturgies, or at least hold them a lot looser. But oh, is it worth it. Jesus is worth it. Join me. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the truth that Jesus is worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's worth the persecution it's worth the resistance. It's worth, it's worth letting go of some of our American ideals. Help us, help us to see how we've been formed and shaped by the powers of this age, by, by systems, by, um, by the liturgies of America. And help us to process that through the story of redemption. To see where it doesn't fit. Because ultimately, that liturgy, those ideals, they're not going to bring us true freedom and wholeness. We love our nation, God. We We pray for our nation. Help us to be good citizens, to love our neighbors, to fight for justice, to weep over our communities. Just like Jesus, help us to love our Jerusalem. But also help us to let go, to hold loosely, and to cling more strongly Strongly and deeply to Jesus. Spirit, empower us, embolden us to both speak and proclaim the way of Jesus in a world just clamoring for power and attention and fame and money and all those things. Help us stand for justice and for truth, for compassion. and for the values of Jesus. Fill us, O Holy Spirit. Forgive us where we have pledged our allegiance to anything else but Jesus. Amen.